Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of Romans. By the way, if you're new uh, with the Bible, it's kind of separated into two halves. There's the Old Testament, which is a lot of, of history before Jesus came. Then there's the New Testament, It starts with four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Maybe you've heard of those guys. Uh, And those are the stories of Jesus. If you're brand new to the Bible, I would go to New Testament, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read those like a book. And then beyond that is more. Then when you get to the sixth book, it's called the book of Romans, right? That's where we'll be, chapter 8. To get us started, a question will come up on the screen. Uh, What is a spiritual person look like is kind of what we're going for. When you think of a spiritual person, what kind of thoughts, visions come to your mind? Just thinking about it? Hmm. I found this meme talking about spiritual gurus. Why do gurus have beards? I don't know, but it feels like a lot of spiritual gurus have beards. Maybe they look like that. Uh, these are some other images that came to my mind. Like the dude, the, the dude on the left, actually that's a Photoshop picture. That's me. They just put his face on my body. That just, how? We're going on. Okay. Maybe images like that come to mind if you're a Christian. Maybe more specific things that don't have to do with outward appearance, like maybe something to do with a prayer life or their understanding of the Bible. Uh, Maybe it's how a spiritual person reacts to situations differently. Maybe spiritual spiritual people flip people off way less. (laughs) Some of you just realized, I guess I'm not very spiritual. (laughs) Something like that, all right? I Googled it. What does a spiritual person look like? Characteristics of a spiritual person. A major sign of a, of a spiritual person is that they are, this is what Google said. I'm not sure Google's always right. They are always happy and kind to others. I don't know. Uh, well, I would submit to you, it's, it's important for us to know, like, the characteristics of a spiritual person, because Jesus came to make us spiritual. John 3, 5. Jesus said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Mark 1.8 says about Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, it gives an assignment to spiritual people. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. There's a command in, in Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, ju- to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. By the way, there's some, probably some good advice in there about the do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, I like to call it debauchery, but debauchery. Can we all, this is a little side little message for some of you who have a hangover yet this morning. Is it, can we all at least admit 
that oftentimes when we drink too much, the Bible doesn't say you can't, but, but when we drink too much, we do debauchery. We do, did, how many of you have done, with confession time, how many of you have done at least three or four things in your life? You never would have done that except you had been drinking. I've never drank in my life, but, okay, that was a lie. Right? Can you remember some of the, how many of you are glad you're just still alive because of some of the things you did? By the way, we're taking a photo here, and we're going to post a post. These are the, no, we're not. Anyway, but the Bible would say, don't get drunk on wine. It, it would say, be filled with the Spirit. So anyway, uh, what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? So hold that thought. We're in a series called We Are Family, God's Sons and Daughters Doing Life Together, and we're going to check out a few characteristics of the, a spiritual person. Uh, we're going to learn from, gosh, I want to do this little tangent. I'm going to do it, but I can't really elaborate much. So just so you know, compared to what most of us naturally think, we are way more spirit people than flesh people. Here's a quote. I'm going to give it to you. Not say much, but you might want to think about it. It says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. That's what most of the time we think. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. You might want to think about that because our spirits will be here today and forever. Most of us, I am talking, I am elaborating. Oh, well, some of us, as we get older, uh, might also realize my spirit, my internal life, my external life uh, is, is falling apart. My flesh, it's, what is it? It's degrading. That's not, it's, it's, um, it's deep, it's fuzzy. What is it called? Deteriorating. Oh yeah, thanks a lot. It's deteriorating. <laughs> right. It's deteriorating. My spirit, my mind, emotions, that stuff, I feel the same I feel like I'm the same me as I have been for the last 30, 40, 50. Does, that, does any of you relate to that? I'm, that's our spiritual side, by the way. So, okay, we'll move on. Going to learn from Romans 8, a little bit about the background of the book of Romans. Uh, as you explore the Bible, some books of the Bible are... Uh, Romans is a teaching book. Some of the books of the Bible are kind of story books. They're like history books that have lessons in them. There are other books of the Bible that are personal books where like one man is writing a letter to a group of people. It's very personal, but there is still teaching in it. Then there's the book of Romans, which is kind of like a textbook. It's teaching spiritual things. So if you like to dive into teachy kind of stuff, Romans is, is a good book to do that. In chapter 8, it's trying to bring some clarity to what is truly spiritual. One other thing you might need to know, in this section, it's going to talk about the spirit a lot. It's also going to talk about the flesh. And the flesh is not just our physical body, but it is our tendency away from God things. It's our tendency to sin. Verse 1. Therefore, since there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because 
I'm sorry, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless, I'm st- no, 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 I can't read. What happened? For, for what the law, for, can I start over? For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son, that's Jesus, in the likeness of a sin, in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. A ton in there. The next two verses is where we're going to land. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, that's spiritual people, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind Governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit, spiritual people, is life and peace. Title of the talk is A Spiritual Family. Basically, we're trying to address some answers to what does a real spiritual person look like. Let me pray. God, a lot of us want to be real, spiritual people. That's why we're a church. Uh, So will you help us see what that looks like? And again, I would say, Lord, if I just stand up here and talk about this stuff, nothing significant will happen. But if you'll be our teacher, it'd be really good. So we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Two characteristics of a real spiritual person from this text. There's a lot more in the Bible, but from this text. The first one is this. real spiritual person is bent Toward obeying God. Bent toward obeying God. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, on obeying God. I want to explore this picture of a mindset. So here's some definition, some deeper definition to what that word means in the original language. It was in Greek. It's pronounced like that. But it's to have an understanding to think, to direct the mind toward. And then there was some extra information, a reference to this having a mindset has to do with the midriff or diaphragm, the parts around the heart. So my interpretation of this is a mindset that they're talking about here is our tendency for our insides, stuff around the heart. This is, it's not talking about physical things. It's talking about our spiritual side. A a, a spiritual person's 
inner stuff is bent toward God. And because of the text that says those who live according to the flesh, their inner stuff is bent toward godlessness. Sinful things, things that God wouldn't do. Let me try to illustrate this because I've experienced it. Before I was a Christian, I wasn't a Christian. A lot of you know my story. I didn't become a Christian until I was 20 years old. Before I came to Christ and God gave me his spirit, Jesus came to live in me and help me, uh, I had an internal bent. I named this thing. This, you could call it your influential innards. Young people are like, what the heck is an innard? It's your insides. It's, term, it's a term that like my grandpa would use. Well, that's the innards. Okay, so your innards. It's your influential innards. So if I, when I was back way back, when I was 17, 18, 19, my influential innards were bent toward not God stuff, but flesh or sinful things. It was like this. And by the way, they were bent that way virtually all the time. Examples. 17, 18, I was a salesperson, and I would be dialoguing with someone about the product I was trying to sell, and if it came to a point where I would realize, if I say this, whether it's true or false, if I say this, it will help me make the sale. So you know what my influential innards did all the time? I would say whatever I needed to say to make the sale. Lie, yes, lie, I would, that's, and was there an exception to that? Almost never, because I was bent toward, some of you are looking at me, like bent toward, yeah, just whatever, because I was trying to make money. Okay, you didn't like that example. Let me give you another one. Teenager, growing up, my moral life was bent toward saying yes to things that God would not have had me do. So let's just pretend, uh, hanging out, and there would be like a, a, a woman that I was attracted to, and she might say, I'd like to make out. I <laughs> happened to me all the time. Hey, I'd like to make out. We're pretending. But you know, you're out having too much wine, which leads, which leads to debauchery, and just, so there might be another debaucher out there going, hey, I don't know, I'll, okay. My, some of you act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but you do. <laughs> My influential innards in those situations, it was just bent toward that. That's just was what it, it right? Also, if I would think of things that God might want me to do, like let's, all, let's go to church. Was I bent toward that? I would be like, well, yeah, I'll go to church unless there was some, by the way, you're the bad people. Unless <laughs> you represent the, the, the flesh, okay? Unless there was some, I was constantly bent toward, leaning toward this direction, okay? And I became a Christian, 20 years old. I was at a church service, felt conviction for sin, came front, came to the front of the church like, I need help. And, and I can't tell you the details, but God saved me. He, he forgave me of all that stuff and invited me over here and gave me his spirit. My life changed. Still a salesperson. I can remember specific times where I was talking to individuals. And I got to the point where I knew if I say this and this and this, I'll probably make this sale. But something in my influential innards change. 
I remember going. I remember one young lady I was talking to, and I said, as we guys, I got to know her financial situation, and I said to her, you should not buy this. You don't need this. You never would have said that earlier. But over, I just, it changed, because I more wanted to be honest and helpful to them than just care about me, moral Moral life, same thing has happened to us. Remember the specific time, I think this is the first time I remember thinking something changed in my life. Me and my friend were vacationing in Florida. We went out to hang out uh, at a barish place and uh, met two girls. And uh, the one girl raised her hand and said, I'll make out. I'm like, okay. She didn't raise her hand. But, you know, we were talking and chatting and everything was headed that direction. I still remember the moment, it's kind of burned into my brain, where she said, uh, you want to go back to my apartment? And I said, and I said, because something happened in here, and I said to her, out loud, I said it right to her, I said, no. <laughs> Some of you are like, you did, yes. No. And, and I ended up instead, we ended up, ta- I ended up sharing then my testimony with her, and we talked in my the spirit legitimately changed the bent, my bent in life. Now, just to be clear, was there a temptation there? Yes. But my tendency has been shifted by God. By the way, all the things that we might talk about in the sinful, all you sinner, you know, the sinful area of stuff. What happens with the Spirit of God in us, those things are still tempting. If you're like me, you still may fall, but that is not where you live, and it's not where you want to live. God gives us this thing, this new life, that leans toward obeying Him, and living with Him, and caring about people like He would care about. Here's something you can write down. The Holy Spirit legitimately shifts our heart's desire. And that's a characteristic of a real spiritual person. If you want to see some examples of this in the Bible, you could write down Luke 19. Luke 19, there's a story of a man who's, what is this called? Innards, innards, shoot. Influential innards. He was a tax collector. He was bent toward money. He took advantage of people to make money. He was a, and his name was Zacchaeus. And if you read his story, he was living over this way. And by the way, everybody knew he was a sinner. Uh, but he has an evening with Jesus. Jesus comes to his house. And probably within like an hour of the presence of Jesus, by the way, Jesus was filled with the Spirit without measure, something changes in Zacchaeus's heart. And that evening, he stands up kind of at a dinner party kind of thing. He stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. He has spent most of his life taking advantage of the poor, doing everything he can to make possessions his own, whether it's taking it from other people. An hour with Jesus, and he's instead of taking advantage of people with, to get possessions, He's thinking, what can I do with my possessions to help people? That's a shift that happened in his spirit. 
Um, all right, let's bring this point into the room. <laughs> Here's a question. What is my chest area drawn toward, folks? <laughs> what is your, where does your heart lean? It's a great question. Probably three groups of people listening. One group is as I share my experience, you're like, I get it because God changed my bent and I want to obey God. There's probably another group that says, I remember when I, I remember when my spirit was like that. Oh, God, help me get back there. There might be a third group and you're in the group where you're like, I don't get, I'm, I'm on the outside looking in, man. Because I don't have a bent toward that. My bent is toward uh, away from God. Now, here's what I would, would uh, say to you. One is I get it, and two is God would invite you to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, to send. He wants to help you in that. One side note that maybe we can admit. Some of you may not get it, but, but some of us will get this. When I was living in the flesh, it was all I knew. I didn't know there was an alternative, and it was the best I could do, if that makes any sense. So why was I such a jerk? I, it was easy. <laughs> it was e and it, was, it made me feel as good as I knew how to feel, and so that was the best idea I had. But to be clear, on the outside, my life was okay, but really inside, I was not okay. I was looking for stuff to fill my insides to try to make me feel better. So I thought, well, maybe if I just found the right relationship, my life would feel right. It never worked. Well, maybe if I just do, does that make sense? But it was all I knew until God knocked on my door and said, how about we start a new life with a spiritual core that's better? Another thing, I would just make a comment. I may have temptations to do the things that I used to do. I would never trade a spiritual life for that life. I wouldn't do it. This life is way better. I would, oh, I'm going on a tangent. Zacchaeus, when he stood up and said, I give half my stuff to the poor, it was probably like an out-of-body experience. He probably was like, what in the world did I just say? But I can imagine when he laid his head down on a pillow that night and went to sleep, I'll bet he felt the best he had ever felt his whole life. That's what the Spirit so spiritual opportunity is, got to go on. That was real spiritual people have a bent toward obeying God. Second one is a real spiritual person possesses a life-giving perspective. Life-giving perspective. I want to get through this quickly. Uh, picture will come up on the screen. This is where we're headed for a few minutes. This is a Facebook post I saw yesterday from John. Took a picture of his dog. It was hashtag Hashtag dog life or looks rough. That's what it said. But the idea I put that up here, a spiritual person has a capacity to have a greater, has, have a sense of peace like that. This is our picture of I'm good. No matter what's going on around them. Does that make sense? Our scripture says the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. We're focusing on the peace 
heart. Again, the word definition of this is peace, it's quietness, it's rest. And this part caught my attention. It's the reality of being exempt from rage and havoc. Can we admit that there's a lot of rage and havoc around us in the world? Some, at least some. Is it not easy to not live with peace and just live with rage and crazy? I thought of an example of this in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus, who is filled with the Spirit, he lives his life so differently than most. Uh, the story is of Jesus and the disciples. They're out for kind of an evening boat ride. Probably wouldn't have called it a sunset cruise, but it would have been nice going out. It was the evening, but while they were out in the midst of a huge lake, it describes a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. Other translations say it was a fierce storm, a violent windstorm. And what happens is rage and havoc take over the disciples. They're scared. They think we're all going to die. And it would appear they actually start yelling at Jesus. Things like, don't you care? We're dying here. We're in a storm. We're dying here. Don't you care? Do something. And what Jesus is doing, if you know the story, while the storm is going, the disciples are yelling, it says in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Put the dog picture up. That's what he's doing. I already said it. Jesus was filled with the Spirit without measure. Where we're headed is that the Spirit in us, followers of Jesus in us, God increases our capacity to feel a sense of peace no matter what the storm is going on around us. Another example of this uh, is in Luke chapter 10. Different kind of a storm. Martha is all cranked up because she's preparing for a dinner for Jesus. And the Bible says she's... Uh, uh, she was worried about all the preparations that had to be made. And so she ends up coming to, the G to Jesus, coming to the Jesus, and she says, Lord, don't you care? She's in the midst of her own little personal storm. She's got all this going on. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me! Exclamation point. Side note, you probably shouldn't have an exclamation point when you're talking to Jesus. You shouldn't yell at Jesus about your dinner party storm. But she's like, come on, well, don't you see what's going on here? And the whole time, Jesus and Mary, they're sitting. And it's driving Martha crazy. It's another example of Jesus saying, yeah, I see the storm. I'm not getting in your storm. Okay, here's something. We live in a world that will try to suck you into their storm. Spiritual person knows what storms they... This is not a call to, to laziness. This is a call to discernment. Is that my storm? Is that storm even worth getting upset about? Spirit of God takes us to a place where we have an incredible increase of peace and perspective on what's a storm, what's not a storm. Here you can write this down. God's Spirit changes our perspective on storms. For some of you, you can leave that up while people write it down. For some of you, 
That may be the reason you would run to the Lord. Because Jesus, if you read the rest of that story, Jesus calms the storm. He does the same for us. I think a lot of us become Christians in the midst of a storm. And we're like, I can't do this. I'm going to die. This isn't going to work. I need help. And Jesus says, oh, got a little storm there, eh? And he brings his spiritual power and says, I'll help that. All right. So we've talked about the spirit bends us toward obedience and brings a perspective on storms and increase of peace. So Leah, if you want to come up. We're going to do something different to close the service. Typically right now, I would like kind of challenge you and I would say, quit sinning. You should obey God. Or I would say, calm down about your storms. Like, just come on, just calm down. But the secret, the point of this talk is not work harder. The point of this talk is get God, Spirit, in us. And those are things that will happen. It's a big difference in those things. Get, we, should we work harder? Yeah. Should we cry out to God and say, Jesus, will you help me? Yes. That's what we should do. So we're going to finish our time. Leah's going to play. And uh, we're going to try to figure out how we might move into a time where we ask God to send his spirit, especially to those of us who right now, you're thinking, this talk was for me. So let me pray for a moment. God, we'd like to know how you would work the last few minutes of our service so that we wouldn't leave with just some ideas, but your spirit would come. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.